Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories living In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know what you've done Good evening and welcome to the Stop Child Abuse Now show. This is scan number 3105. That's 3105. Okay. Um, I'm really proud. Every time I, I run the show, I run it usually every Friday night, sometimes Thursdays or, or whenever I'm needed. But, um, you know, 3105, that means something. Okay, that's 3,105 shows. And, and I'm proud of that. I'm Carol Levine, uh, and I'm Vice President of NASCA. And tonight we do have a wonderful uh, guest. Her name is Natasha, or Tasha Elliott, and she is from Owings Mills, I believe it is, uh, Maryland. And she is a sexual trauma life coach. And I'm always glad when we have our people on, you know, that come in as coaches or whatever. Um, Oh, I see that's Philip. He's going to be listening tonight, probably, or maybe he'll want to speak tonight. I don't know. We have, uh, we have Lori here. We have Philip. We have Bill. Um, we have myself and and uh, Tasha, our guest. So we're doing well here. So let me read the um, mission statement, and uh, then I'm going to. She's got quite a long bio here, which is good. And uh, then, of course, after she tells her story, those who listen to the show, you know that after a person tells their story, they speak about what they're doing today. And that's always what gives people hope, all right, that there is a today and they're doing fine, all right? So this is good. All right, let me read the statement, and uh, then I'll, I'll start the show. We have a singleness of purpose at NASCA, and that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so two different ways. Number one is educating the public, and especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, uh, presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and it does. Number two, offering hope for healing through numerous pairs and providing many services to uh, adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Okay? That's very important, prevention, intervention, and recovery. We always try to find solutions. We try to help people find solutions on this show. And um, I'm pretty uh, proud of NASCA. I've been on this show for 12 years. And we're doing just fine. Yes, we are. So tonight, again, getting back to our guest, um, 
Natasha. Do you want to be called Natasha or Tasha? Tasha sounds good. Tasha? Yes. Is that what you Yeah, okay, good. All right. Because I yeah. see, like, it's, it's separate with a little, yeah, okay. <laughs> I kind of thought so. All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So um, why don't you go ahead and start and tell your story. And what we do here on this show is we do have a, we have a panel. And if someone, you know, needs to ask you a question, and we usually let them engage with you. Okay. So um, remember, we're all survivors, like I said, on this show. A lot of times people can identify with you, Okay. And uh, or maybe they have a question to ask, or they want to make a comment. So that happens a couple times throughout the show, okay? And um, then you go right back to where you were. Just remember where you were, <laughs> okay? When I stop you, <laughs> and, right? Okay. And um, yeah, and um, then we carry on with what you're saying, and then of course get to what you're doing today. So this is good, all right? So go ahead, okay. start telling us your story. Oh, okay. So my story started, um, wow, years ago. Um, probably my earliest memory is probably about five years old. My father first started, my biological father first started molesting me. And now I knew at an early age that what he was doing was wrong. Um, but my concern was not for me. My concern was if I told what would happen to my family, what would happen to my siblings, what would happen to my mother. Like, that was my concern. And so for the longest time, I, I didn't say anything. But um, by the time I was 13, and it's crazy because between the ages of 5 and 13, I don't remember much. But I do remember at 13, um, I was afraid of being pregnant by my father. And luckily at that time, my sister and brother told my mother about what my father was doing to me. So, and that didn't go as planned. What I mean is my siblings thought that my mother was going to, you know, be on my side. She was going to protect me, you know, as her daughter, even though I told my sister that my mother would not be there for me. She would not protect me, and it was not going to be a good thing if she found out. And lo and behold, when they told my mother what my father was doing to me, my mother's response was, to me and my father, is that I can't believe you guys smile on my face and do this behind my back. Mm. And that's yeah. a line that I would never, ever forget. Mm. And it took me a while, you know, to to heal from that. And it's so interesting because when I was going through therapy, the therapist always wanted to focus on what my father did to me. But, again, I already reconciled what he did. My biggest hurt was my mother's reaction to it. It's like my mother abused me for what my father did to me. So here I am, 14, 13, 14 years old, don't have my mother, don't have my father, and I'm thrown into a group home where I feel like I'm being punished for saying what happened to me. So you're looking at someone that went through pretty much my entire life, right, just being sexually, physically, emotionally abused, and not having anyone there in my corner to help me through this process. And the therapist that I was seeing just did not get where I was coming from. Like therapists are the therapists. It's like I felt like they wanted to keep me stuck in a victim mentality where I really wanted to get over it and get on with my life. Like I didn't want to be stuck in this victimhood. Um, and And it's so crazy because, even as time went on, when I later got married, 
I would have flashback and memories of my father abusing me sexually that I didn't even remember prior to getting married. And I found that interesting because I thought I remembered everything that happened, but, you know, we have a way of protecting ourselves by not remembering certain details. And so I, I got to back up. But prior to getting married, um, when I was younger, I was reading stories about what happened to girls that were molested, you know, and they were raped and how they would turn to drugs and alcohol and be promiscuous and they couldn't, you know, have healthy marriages and things like that. So I decided, okay, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to do drugs because I don't want to fall into that category. But the category I did fall into was promiscuity. And I fell into that because I was looking for love. All I wanted was to be loved and to be protected. And that's what I was on the quest of searching for. And in the quest of doing that, I was extremely promiscuous. I mean, I slept with so many guys, I don't even know half their names. Like, it was that bad because I was looking and searching for that love that I never had. Um, wow. That was a lot. I haven't said that in a while. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, so many of us do that, okay? So I don't want you to feel funny about that, right? Um, well, you're sort of like you know, stopping and going, wow. And also, you know, it happens. It happens. So uh, go ahead, honey. Go okay. ahead. Okay. And so um, every every guy that I dated, um, whether it was a fling, one night stand or whatever, I told these guys, about what my father did to me. And I guess I, I was sharing that story so they could understand where I was coming from and what I needed, right? And unfortunately for me, a lot of guys that I was meeting didn't really get what I was saying when I was sharing that story with them, right? I mean, I guess I was looking for them to, you know, really love me more or really want to fill the shoes of protecting me, making me feel safe. But, no, they were just looking for that one thing, and they were satisfied, and they moved on. And, of course, I moved on to the next guy, just looking for someone to save me and to be there for me. Um, so, eventually, I did meet a young man and dated him for, like, three months. And I told him, I said, you know what? Let's get the preliminaries. Let's just get married. Let's do it. Because I couldn't see myself dating this one and dating that one. I was 24 at this point. I'm like, you know what, I'm ready to settle down. I don't want to be out there in the streets and sleeping with all these random men looking for love in all the wrong places. So me and that young man got married, and here we are 23 years later, still married. Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> yeah. it's not, it doesn't happen that often, you know what I'm saying. Okay. Right, it doesn't. It really doesn't. No. So, um, okay, so you went to your therapist. The therapist was somewhat helpful and all this other stuff. And uh, you, you, got, you got married. And do you have children? Oh, yes, I have four children. Okay, that's yes. good. That's um, wonderful. And you have a very yes. good marriage, it sounds like. I think you do. Yes, I absolutely do. It doesn't start off that way. <laughs> it doesn't start that way when you're married, when you're only dating for three months. But uh-huh. it definitely is a lot better than what it was 23 years ago. All right. Well, that's good. Then you went in the right direction. That's great. You see, so often, um, you know, like you, you were, like, feeling, like, embarrassed or whatever, um, you know, when you were speaking about being promiscuous out on the street. Well, 
that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, look what happened to you, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, yep. and when it happens in the family like that, you know, it, that's that's the worst. I'm sorry. It, I've had both, okay? Yeah. And in the family, mm-hmm. it is the worst, okay? It absolutely is. And then with your mother, uh, my mother said, Oof. well, this happens in family, okay? This happens in Oof. families, all right? Mm-hmm. So I get it. Mm. I get what you're saying. Yeah. All right. And, yes, that hurt, I think, is just as bad, if not more so, because we look to our mm-hmm. mother for nurturing. Okay. Especially yeah. the mother. That's what mother means. They're like nurturing, correct? So, you mm-hmm. know, if we don't have that nurturing from our mothers, you know, then we're going to have all of these, these that, those deep, uh, you know, root-seated, uh, the inner child, as we speak about, is still crying or cries for an awful long time before you heal. And uh, you know yeah. that it wasn't your fault. You know that. Mm-hmm. We all know that. We were just kids. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And we don't have a voice yeah. when we're a child. We just simply don't. So, therefore... Mm-hmm. We act out in all different ways. I, um, with myself, I became suicidal. I tried once, and I suffered from suicidal ideations and uh, all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff and, and got involved with alcohol. And did, Were you drinking and, and drugging, or did you get into that? No, not at all. Um, luckily for me, my grandmother, which is my mother's mother, taught mm-hmm. me how to read at two and a half years old. So Great. at two and a half, by the time I was five years old, I was reading um, novels by the time I was five. Like, mm-hmm. if somebody gave me a picture book, I was deeply, uh, I was deeply irritated. And because I'm like, I don't read books with pictures. <laughs> like, I'm oh, reading geez. chapter books, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that saved me. And the reason I say that it saved me is because I didn't have anyone to talk to. Like, there was no favorite teacher. There was no, you know, outside source that was there to help me to understand what I was going through. So I turned to books, and I read all different kinds of books, right, to kind of help me understand the path that I was on. So because of that, I knew not to get involved with drugs. I knew not to drink alcohol. Because of what I was going through, I knew that if I did those behaviors, it would only get worse. And I knew that I was dealing with enough already, and I didn't want to add something else on top of that to also deal with. And that was the only reason that I didn't, you know, go to turn to alcohol or to drugs. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so many things that uh, we survivors do turn to, you know, or can turn to, mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, mm-hmm. being promiscuous or whether it be alcohol and drugs or whether it be overeating or oh, yeah. eating, you know, bulimia or anorexia, I mean, or cutting. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so many things that we can turn to. In self harm, mm-hmm. I don't have to tell you that because you're a coach. But you know, it's uh, mm-hmm. this is unfortunate, you know, that uh, you know that we do this. But we're always so many times filled with shame, or filled with fear, or or whatever it is. And when it's your father, like it was my brother and an uncle, okay, mm-hmm. different times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it just blows your mind because you see that's a family yeah. member. Yeah, and, and then right. when your mother turns you away, you know that even that's like uh, it, that's like stabbing mm-hmm. you in the heart. It does. It's, that's what it's yeah. like. Yeah, 
I'm going to bring on Lori yeah. because she may have a question. And uh, I'm going to go down the list here. We have Lori, and we have Bill, and, and we have Philip. And, and we'll just see if Philip would like to speak tonight. Sometimes he doesn't want to. He wants to just listen. That's fine, whatever. So, Lori, go ahead. Is there something that you'd like to know? Um, I like that the idea of you protecting your siblings throughout all this, um, when the point that they came to tell, um, you know, it was going to absolutely be different reactions. And, and then, of course, attack your mother, and then the mother says this. But I was really surprised that your mother all that time didn't know, you know, or didn't have a clue. Basically, she was clueless, like how, how your father pulled it off. But you have a strong uh, sense of protection by not, you know, letting your father get to your siblings and whatnot. So I kind of admired that. Uh, that was me. I was the guard. I, that's what I call it. It's the guard. And yeah. um, what you've done with it, you you came hardwired basically with knowledge of what you wanted in your life, and you were given skills. You were born with them. I mean, you're highly intelligent. And you knew how to use the skills to get to where you are then to now. You know, it's like you just needed a little bit, you know, in therapy, what you wanted to talk about. Um, the mm-hmm. therapist tends to go off on their own little tangents here and there, and you kind of <laughs> got to, you know, fit in what you mm-hmm. want, what you're there for. But you knew. So that was also, like, super, super helpful. You really know yourself. And, um, you know, drugs, I, I didn't do them. You know, I had different things. I was I was a caretaker, past bear. So I didn't have time to do any of that stuff. I didn't even have time to go out. So I'm not sure, like, mm-hmm. how much that is. But you circled yourself back, and you picked the right guy, and you have a beautiful family, what, what it sounds like. So this is very uplifting for me to hear. I mean, of course, I'm sorry what happened to you. But the way you're handling it, I think you're doing a very, very good job. Mm-hmm. Hello, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, you're very that's welcome. It. Yeah, that's that's my Lori. She's she's got it together. So anyway, <laughs> she, <laughs> she she has a way of handling herself that I really like. Okay, so um, but anyway. It, it, what she said absolutely is very, very true. I mean, you kept yourself together. You didn't lose yourself, all right? You may have been very lost when you were, you know, looking for love, as you put it, but that's what so often mm-hmm. we do because we don't have it yeah. at home. So, um, but that's nothing, and you know better. You know not to be ashamed of yourself or, or you know, you know why it happened. I mean, you already have the answers, mm-hmm. and this is good. This is good. Um, what else do I want to say to you? Oh, with your sisters, you speak to them today, right? Your siblings? You know what? Um, very interesting. So my brother um, committed suicide mm-hmm. back in 2005. Oh, um, the brother that helped out. Thank you. And my sister, we speak like off and on. And one part that I that I failed to mention was um, during that process of me healing, um, it, it, it was a lot because I was going through that, and what I also found with other survivors is that we tend to get ourselves get ourselves in situations where we're sexually assaulted by others. And there's been situations where I have been sexually assaulted, and even sometimes in the sexual assault, I chose to 
make it not as bad as it could be. And I call I, I had a term for it, and I called it um, I can't remember what I used to call it, but it was it was rape, but I called it something different, so mm-hmm. I could deal with it and it not affect me to the point where I can't live and function. So instead of the rape being violent, I would I would accept what was happening to me. I would go along with it so it wouldn't be violent, right, mm-hmm. just to get it over with. And right. I found myself in situations a lot. And then even when I was like five or six and, oh, my God, I used to pray to God, please let me die in my sleep. Like I did not want to awaken the next day. And when I would wake up the next day, I would be angry and I would be angry at God. Like why are you still letting me live? Why are you allowing me to go through this? And for years, for years, I just was like I would look at myself in the mirror. I would, like, tell myself how ugly I was. And it was so crazy because when I would go to school, little girls were jealous of me because they were like, well, you have your parents at home. You think you're all that, and you have these pretty eyes. So you think you're so pretty. And they really had no idea what I was suffering with on a daily basis, right? So it was like I was dealing with the the pressures from school and being bullied at school. I was dealing with the abuse of my father. I was dealing with the physical abuse from my mom. So it was just like all this abuse around me all the time. So the only escape that I had was in books. Like we went to church on Sundays, but I'm like, God is not listening to me. God doesn't talk to me, you know. And for years I was going to like different churches, you know, trying to find a higher power to help me you know, through this process of this this hurt that I was going through. And I knew that I didn't want to be a victim forever, right? So I poured myself into self-help books. I would go to different seminars. Like I really poured thousands of hours and dollars into self-healing because, like I was saying earlier, when I was going to therapy, they just was not getting it. And I could really tell when someone was talking to me from a book sense versus an experience sense, right? And there's a difference. And because I had the gift of reading, like a lot of these books I have read already, so when I'm hearing these therapists and these doctors talking to me, I'm like, they're not even talking to me. They're talking to an idea of what a victim looks like and what a victim feels. Like, I don't need you to keep telling me that it's not my fault. I know that it's not my fault, right? I know something is wrong with my parents, right? I know that. I just need to know the tools that I need to go on and to live a productive life because I was tired of sabotaging myself and tired of getting into a relationship and then, you know, breaking up with the guy before he break up with me. Like that kind of defense mechanism, like let me hurt him before he hurts me, right? Right. And recognizing those kind of behaviors that I was doing is like, wait a minute, something has to stop. Like I can't keep doing this to myself. And and I was filled with so much hate and rage towards my parents and for what they did to me. And it wasn't until I came to the realization that, you know what, they are who they are. They will never be the parents that I want or need them to be. And once I was able to let that idea of what a parent is supposed to be, that was the true turning point to my healing process of how I was able to move forward and to live what I feel is a productive, happy life. Like, of all my siblings, like, I, 
And I was looking in, you were like, wow, she is really thriving. Like, she's really doing great compared to where my siblings are. I mean, it's, it's really sad that I was the one that went through that sexual abuse, but my life is one that they aspire to have, meaning my siblings, that they aspire to have. Well, yeah, I can see that. I guess. <sighs> oh, gee, yeah. Um, so, with what you're doing today, though, okay, um, do you ever get triggered? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm I'm just curious. Some people who are therapists or counselors or or um, whatever, uh, coaches, can at times mm-hmm. get triggered. You know, when people come in, they they I haven't been triggered yet, <laughs> but you know, it could happen, I suppose. <laughs> you know, so um, uh-huh. but. The point is, have you ever been triggered by anything, like from the incest? No one wants to say the word incest, okay? It, and who who does? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a troubling word, okay? And uh, mm-hmm. and yet you sometimes, you know, maybe when people come into your office, do you ever have a problem with that, you know, where you might have a little problem with, the, you know, getting triggered, especially if it is you know incest. What? You know, it's it's very interesting um, that you say that, and and I remember when I was younger and I first um, heard that word incest, and this is the interesting part, right? I'm going to answer that question. Believe me, I'm going to answer the question. But mm-hmm. I was about four years old, and I was in a foster home, and I remember being four years old in this foster home, and the word incest was written down on a sheet of paper about me, and I'm like, what is incest? And the look on the, the person's face was like, this girl can read. Like, they didn't know I could read. And right. I remember that word. I was like, I got to look this word up. I got to look this word up. Like, what does this word mean? Because, mind you, I didn't even know why I was in foster care. I just knew I was there. And mm-hmm. so when I remember reading the definition about incest, I got mad because uh, – even now looking at the word incest, I'm looking at the dictionary meaning right now. It says sexual intercourse between persons so closely related that they're forbidden by law to marry. That's completely different from being raped or sexually molested by your parent. You know what I mean? And it's yes, like they do. the word incest is not strong enough to state what's going on. So and and I think if if the word if if the frame would have been that this child was sexually assaulted by her father, I would have probably treated it differently. You know what I mean? But it just left me confused. Like this is not neutral. I did not want him to do this to me. You know what I mean? It's it's just not a strong enough word, which is why I don't like using the word incest because it's just not strong enough to state what that is. And as far as triggers, um. This is the interesting thing about triggers, right? Um, I find that the only time I really get triggered about something is if something happens that I totally did not remember. For instance, um, probably my fourth year of marriage, my husband and I were in the bed, and we were, like, pillow fighting. And my husband smoked cigarettes. And mind you, I never dated a guy that smoked cigarettes. I never dated a guy that drinks. The way my husband met was kind of like a one-night stand kind of thing. So I was not looking for him to be a boyfriend or a husband. It was a sex thing. It was in my promiscuity stage, right? And mm-hmm. so when we got married and he was on top of me, it's like I had a flashback. It was like, bam, it just like hit me all of a sudden. And I literally kicked him off of me where he was on the floor, right? So we're talking about a trigger. We're talking about like a major trigger. 
And the smell of the cigarettes on him, his mustache on me, I had a flashback of my father being on me. And it wasn't until that time that I remembered that my father molested me when I was about five or younger. It was like wow. 2 o'clock in the morning. I called my mother up and I said, Mama, I said, the daddy used to smoke. And she said, I can't believe you remember that. What made you think of that at this time of the morning? And I told her what just happened with my husband. And she told me, yes, my father used to smoke and he used to drink. And I told her, I said, Mommy, he started molesting me much earlier than I thought. Mm-hmm. And all these memories started coming back. Um, mm-hmm. so well, that's that not was uncommon. Like a bit trigger. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's, that's a really good, um, you know, example of a trigger. And with the, when people get triggered and then they have these um, dissociations, a lot of times they dissociate or they just uh, have repressed memories, um, basically mm-hmm. the same but not quite, and it comes back like that, wow, you know, it just hits you, and it hits yeah. you hard. And, boy, you hit him hard, man. You got him off of you. <laughs> I did. Okay. Until, yeah. this, until this day, he would not pillow fight with me at all. He will well, I do don't it. blame him. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's a good thing. I see the mind releases that. That releases so that you have little, um, from time to time, you'll have memories, you know, and you might even have more memories. I have yeah. the faintest idea. There might be more there. I have one gal that calls me, and yeah. uh, she says she's trying to piece together her puzzle, you know, and, mm. and at times she'll get uh, a memory. It'll come to her. And I keep telling her, mm-hmm. you know, she lives far away from me. You know, this is all phone. I'm in New Jersey, and she's in, a, you know, a different state completely. We're on the other side, um, close to mm-hmm. the bill. But, you know, like it's uh, – I can't help you. You're too far away. And just over the phone when you have a really heavy-duty memory, you know, when the mind releases that, mm-hmm. go to your therapist, for God's sake, and talk to her about it. Otherwise, the puzzle might not go together that well. She might be upset afterwards. And, um, you know, mm. whatever, and she needs to talk for hours on the phone, she can do that. They all can. But, you know, it's just that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was just curious about that. Let, let's go to Bill because he might want to ask you a question or make a comment. Go ahead, Bill. Okay. Yeah, well, first of all, I want to thank her for coming tonight. You um, surprised me with your willingness to come and gave me four dates that I could choose from. <laughs> One of them was tonight. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, like a spontaneous guest, and I'm so delighted. She's telling her story very well. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that she may be a, a conduit for other people who are survivors, and she must know a bunch that we don't know who might want to tell their story because we have, you know, this this is uh, something we we do every night, well, five nights a week, and three of those five nights are special guests like you. So anyway, um, you're telling us your story very well. We like to include feelings, and you've done that automatically, because that's what people can identify with. They can, you know, how they felt when this was going on, how they felt later in the trauma. That's what we identify with, not the facts. Although I have to tell you that some right. of the facts of what you've said tonight fit me, and I'm a male, <laughs> and I'm older. <laughs> it fit me. Um, I was. Um, abused by men, and I was male, so uh, that was another difference, but I remember um, some of the physical attributes of the men. Uh, it, it, it so mm-hmm. disgusted me 
uh, like, for example, beards or, sh- or whiskers. Couldn't stand whiskers. Mm-hmm. And I still can't. Somebody tries to kiss me, you know, with whiskers. Well, they don't do it anymore, but back then. Oh, my <laughs> God, I hated it. Um, so right. that's just an example. Huh? Just an example of something that really uh, transferred over into my later life that I was triggered by, you know. And, and, and there's all kinds of insidious little things that we each have going on in our uh, child abuse story, which become traumatic uh, experiences for us, and then that's the pain. That's that's what we got to heal from. So I'm 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 really glad you came on. I'm I'm going to be interested in hearing uh, how it is you do your recovery and and so forth. But I the other thing was I was very sexually abusive too, sexually active too, uh, mm-hmm. and I but I I grew up in the um, the 70s basically and 80s. So that was the time of, uh, you know, flower power and peace, love, and, and rock and roll. <laughs> uh, and <drugs. laughs> I did all that, and I did it a lot. Uh, so I, I was identifying when you're saying, you know, practically in one one man a night. I was I was the same thing, one girl a night. You know, <laughs> every other mm-hmm. night a new girlfriend, <laughs> not girlfriend, right. somebody to sleep with. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you well, so much yeah. for coming on, for sharing your story. I want to listen to the rest of you. I'm I'm working here in the background, as Carol knows, on Friday nights. Yeah. That's what I do. But I can, you know, st- stop. And I'm listening as well, as you can tell. And I can stop and make yeah, comments right. if I feel it. Yeah. So thank you so much. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be listening to the rest, okay? All right. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I really do. You bet. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that, Bill. Um, let's go down to Philip. Philip, would you like to ask a question or make a comment? Yes. Okay, good. Go ahead. Well, thank you for being on the show. Um, how long did you go to therapy for, and how did you get out of a victim mentality? Good question. Oh, let's be um, great question. So I was 14 when the state took me out of the home. So in the group home, it was mandatory for us to, when I say us, meaning residents of this group home, to go to therapy. So, and I I remained in the group home from the ages of 14 until 17. So 14 to 17, I had weekly therapy sessions. And, oh, my goodness, talk about gut-wrenching. And I say gut-wrenching to the point of the frustration of these therapists not really relating to what I was going through, right? And they're just going through the motions, like they're just doing this job because it's their job, not because they genuinely care about what I was going through. So um, after that mandatory therapy, when I became older and I was married and I found myself in different situations, I started going to therapy again as an adult. And Again, it was the same kind of thing, like, wait a minute, your biological father? And I'm like, how uncommon is this? Like, why do I have to keep hearing, like, your biological Like, I'm not saying my stepfather. I clearly said my father. So it was like they were hung up on your biological father, and then your mother wasn't there. And I'm like, and then, like, how do you? It, it, it almost felt like I was the one, like, counseling them versus them counseling me because they were trying to question, try to figure out how was I able to, kind of have a straight head 
and look at life the way that I was looking at life during this time. And I'm like, I just want y'all to help me to stop being promiscuous. Like, what do I need to do to stop doing that? Like, how can I have have healthy relationships? You know, like, how can I get out this victim mentality? And when I found that it wasn't set up that way, that's when I started, about 17 is when I started on my own journey of reading self-help books and looking at different movies and trying to find answers into what was already around me. Um, did I answer your question? Yes. Okay. Okay, well, that was good. Thank you, Philip, for that. Um, what was I going to say to you? I know there was something. My head is in three different places because I have a phone call <laughs> coming in, and, and my cell phone's going nuts, and I have it on off. Leave me alone. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to run a show. <laughs> but anyway, oh, um, what I was going to say to you, was um, first of all, all right. I'm so sorry that your brother committed suicide. That's always a a scary ass thing in a family. Trust me, I know. And um, and then secondly, though, with your sister, you say you speak to her once in a while. Do you think that your father had um, had he molested either one of those two other children? What do you think? Or raped them? Are you saying that that he molested them or raped them? Hmm. No. Um, no, he didn't. As a matter of fact, I was the one that um, that he did. And, and here's the interesting thing, right? What I've been, what I've found out within the last year, is that some women have been emotionally um, abused by their fathers and don't even know it, right? And so what I mean by that is, before my father physically molested me, he emotionally was molesting me, meaning. He was treating me more like a girlfriend or a wife than a daughter, mm-hmm. right? And he would talk about how smart I was, how intelligent I was, and how, like, I have four other siblings. And my father would always choose me to go places with him because I could speak to anyone, any age, any race. It didn't matter. Like, he, when he was in college, and I was about seven years old, six, seven years old, he would take me to college with him, and I'd be in the classroom, and the instructor would ask questions, and I would answer the questions because people wasn't raising their hands. And I would answer the questions and get the questions right at seven. So wow. he was talking <laughs> about good. how, you know, <laughs> right, and I just thought it was normal, right? I was like, oh, I know that. I'm going to raise my hand and answer the questions. And mm-hmm. so he would always talk about how he could take me anywhere and I can talk to anybody about any topic because that's how much I used to read. And so I didn't know at the time that he was grooming me, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that me and my father had a great relationship until he crossed the line and made it sexual. And right. that's when it becomes confusing because it's like, okay, you're having sex with me, you're doing sexual things with me, but at the same time you want to discipline me when I do things wrong. Like, mm-hmm. aren't you afraid that I'm going to say something about what you're doing to me? And, and, and it's so interesting that I was forced to grow up so fast. And right. I was so busy living in the future that I could not live in the present because I was so focused on, I can't wait till I'm 18 until I get out of here. I can't wait till I'm 18 until I get out of here. Reading different books. So I've always lived my life in the future instead of the present. And I've done that for so many years, hmm. so many years. Oh, and I want to go back to the to the trigger thing. So hmm. the example I gave you, the trigger, that was that was years ago, right? Like I've been married 23 years now. So that was like year three, year four of my marriage. Recently, I had a trigger, 
And because of the self-help and because of the methods that I created for myself, now I know what to do when I have a trigger. So to give you an example, I was on the phone with a girlfriend, and I was talking to her because I really didn't want to really even be a sexual trauma coach, right? That was not my plan that I was like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to talk about this. Like, I just don't want to do it because it could be so depressing. I don't want to be in that state of mind because that's not where I'm at. But I realized, like, women need me. Like, I have to do this. Like, it's not – at this point in my life, it's not a choice. It's like I have to do this. So I'm on the phone with her, and we're talking, and I started getting these memories that I totally forgot about. One memory was um, when I was in foster care, the lady had a son, and this boy would force me to get on my knees and perform oral sex on him. I totally did not remember that memory, and I was literally on the phone crying, like, oh, my goodness, now I know why. I don't like to give my husband fellatio is because of what I went through with that young man. And so now she's on the phone and she's like, Tasha, it's okay. You know, it's going to take some time, you know, to heal from that. And, you know, everything takes time, especially if you haven't known about it. You know, it's a whole new thing. And now I'm on the phone I'm laughing. And I'm like, girl, you really have no idea. Like I'm literally on this phone smiling from ear to ear because now I know why. I did not want to perform fellatio. And I said, now I cannot wait till my husband get home so I can give him some mind-blowing head, okay? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, and, he he like, walked away a happy so, man. Yes, he did. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Yes, he did. My, yes, he my did. My husband was like, so happy. Yes. Chilled laughing at me. Like, <laughs> yes. Here, go and ahead. Like, that's how I see it, right? So it's like for me, like, a trigger would not affect me the way it did year three of my marriage, right? Mm-hmm. So now because I know how things affected me, I get to choose how it's going to affect me moving forward, right? It's like right. I'm in control of my life. And like my Facebook group that I have, the Purple King, my tagline is, you hold the key to your healing. And I honestly believe that. And key, K-E-Y, play on words, is keep empowering yourself, Right. So mm-hmm. even when you have these moments where you may have a trigger, you may have a memory that's a repressed memory, in that moment, you get to decide how that memory is going to affect you. You can let it affect you negatively. You can let it affect you positively. You get to choose. And because mm-hmm. I have the power and I get to choose, I decide how I'm going to have that memory affect me moving forward. And I do it so fast and so immediate, like, I don't even have to think about it. Like, it's like an automatic thing. I know exactly what to do in that moment, no matter what it is, whether it's somebody else's story or whether it's my own story. I know exactly what to do every single time. That's good. That's good. It takes, sometimes it takes people many years you know, to deal with the flashbacks. I've had people, you know, call me and say, I, I had a flashback, I'm scared, it frightened me, and, and I don't know what to do mm-hmm. with it. And uh, or, or, like with the one gal, a piece to the puzzle, or, but she's not happy about it maybe because maybe it's a, a flashback of something that was really horrific. Um, many mm-hmm. of us go through, you know, a lot of horrific things in our lives. And um, uh, some people, you know, they, they're not very strong people and they have all of these problems because of it. And uh, so mm-hmm. when they have a flashback, they're not happy. Right? <laughs> they want to run from it and they don't know how. They don't know what to do with it. So, again, I always yeah. tell people, you know, that it's just the mind letting, you know, it thinks you're ready to, you know, to face this. 
and uh, it gives you a little more mm-hmm. insight, you know, as to what happened. And uh, I don't have, with me, I don't have flashbacks, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason being is because, um, and this is strange, but I never, my mind never shut down on anything. And believe me, I've been through so much horror in my life that um, I wish it had shut down, all right? So I wouldn't have, mm-hmm. uh, it's like still brilliant. I'll use the word brilliant, and you know what I'm talking about with that. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, mm-hmm. Yes. So I can, like, touch it almost and say, okay, this happened, that happened, that happened, ouch, 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 ouch. And it's still, mm-hmm. you know, still there. However, over the years, I have learned to put that in a different part of my mind because I know that it was never my fault. The shame is gone, mm-hmm. um, and shame on them, and I put it on them because that's where mm-hmm. it belongs, okay? And uh, and mm-hmm. yet still people to this day have trouble doing that also, you know, mm-hmm. uh, putting the blame where it belongs and, 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 and being able to, you know, grow. Because if they can't do that, they can't move forward like you were saying. They can't move forward. Mm-hmm. They're still stuck in the mm-hmm. moment, and and that's a that's a sad thing. Let let's go to uh, Lori and see what she has to say. Go ahead, Lori. Oh, you're pretty much saying exactly what you're uh, doing over there productively, and you've hit on every perfect thing um, and way of doing it that I've heard so far. Uh, it's like I said before, you came hardwired. You know what to do. And I see that um, you're actually on your way to something much, much bigger um, in your life. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you've got everything that you need, um, answers and all kinds of what you want, and you're gonna, you're just gonna be a, something big and major in this in this world. I can see it coming. You know, I know it's hard that you you had to go through all this and. and uh, even your father rubbing his beard on your face, that kind of stuff. My father did that mm-hmm. to me, and I hated it. I honestly hated it. The triggers mm-hmm. of, you know, smells can trigger you. Anything can trigger you. You know, hearing it from mm-hmm. another story, it's just like you can't escape it. So you might as well just expect it's going to come along the other way and get ready for it. And there's nothing else that you can do. And when it's in the past there, they did damage that part of you in the past, but you're not that person anymore because you're doing mm-hmm. all these things that are making you a different person. So that was the beginning, and now you're like in the middle, and you're going to end up a terrific person um, beyond what you are now in the future. And you're going to be doing many things for many people. You're not going to stop. You have too much to say, too much... Uh, intelligence, um, you're, like I say, the guard. You know what to do. And I see you putting programs together and doing all kinds of things, you know, once the kids get maybe a little bit older or whatnot. If you're, it's just going to get bigger for you. You're, you're like a star is born. That's what. That's the way I see you. Yeah. Wow. Um, thank you. Yeah, yeah, oh. that's a, that's amazing. But you know, I I agree with everything you're saying because she's so together, isn't she? She really is. And I think um, I think what you said earlier too, um, Lori. She's very very smart. She's very astute. She really is. And then learning to um, you know to read at such an early age was something that 
you know, it, it encouraged her. It brought her strength. It also brought her, you know, she healing and all kinds of things that she read. It didn't matter what it was that she was reading. She was reading. She was learning. She was focusing, and uh, it gave her something to really lean on. Hey, a lot of us leaned on things. I leaned on the wrong things. <laughs> okay, so um, <laughs> maybe she, someone should have taught me how to read at that early age, and maybe I wouldn't have, you know, done all the things, you know. But then I wouldn't have so many stories to tell either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. But you know, so let, let's uh, let's let's talk here. Um, Philip, is there something you want to talk about right now, or do you want to wait? What do you want to do? Um. Well, I. I was kind of zoning out, I guess, because of disassociation, so I wasn't listening that well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So you want to just be quiet for right now, okay? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay, no problem. Um, but I'm glad that you spoke before, okay? And I'm, I'm glad you're here, all right? I really, 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 really am here. Okay. So, um, okay. So, specializing in teaching, motivation, and inspiring the millions of women in the world who experience childhood sexual abuse by their fathers. Um, okay. So, you zero in mostly on those who have been, you know, like sexually abused by someone in the family, and uh, maybe in time, maybe in time, you're just going to want to even go out of, you know, your comfort zone. This is something that you're a part of. It's a part of your fiber. And uh, you can certainly not only just relate to it, but more than that, okay, more than just relating, you're getting across that, you know, all of the things that you've said to, to women who have been so abused and who have been, you know, abused by a family member. Again, I can't think, I mean, I have been abused by people on the outside and on the inside. Let's put it that way, okay? Mm-hmm. Like a family. Mm-hmm. And, and when it's inside the family, that crushes your spirit. It can. Mm-hmm. I mean, when mm-hmm. you were in the when you were in the group home, um, you were mentioning also counselors there too. Yeah, listen to me and therapists. And you're quite right because I've done many presentations in my time. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not 22 anymore. I'm 25 now. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but anyway, the point, is, the point is this, all right? <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I'm glad I'm not 25 yet because that was a bad time in my life, too. But um, when I would go and, and speak, uh, you know, at, at Centenary especially, because that was my primary um, university that I worked with, they had me teaching classes. They had me um, giving presentations. I spoke to police officers. These, the, even the professors didn't have the knowledge that they should have, many of them, mm-hmm. about child abuse. Um, it was called mm-hmm. Crime Victims Week. That's what I had belonged to, Crime Victims Week, especially in April, um, which they don't have mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, COVID kind of like smashed a lot of things, and then other things happened. But um, the point is this. You're right. You know, when you go to school, they're supposed to cover all different kinds of things. If you're going to be a social worker or um, a, a counselor or a therapist or, or a psychiatrist, for God's sake, when I worked at Greystone Psychiatric, the, the shrinks, as I called them, would go to their own shrink. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to me, you know, I, I had a hard time with mm-hmm. that. I thought it was rather comical, all right, because uh, they're sitting there being a psychiatrist, and uh, sometimes not a very good one, I'm afraid, because they don't have enough mm-hmm. knowledge. 
A lot mm-hmm. of people are sexually abused. That's why it's mm-hmm. not one in four anymore. Now it's one in three girls are, you know, sexually abused, um, you know, by the at a very, very early age, okay? By the time they're mm-hmm. 18, they've been sexually abused. God only knows everybody's different, okay? And boys is definitely mm-hmm. one in, in four to five. Um, because of all the, the people who come through the border, these kids come through the border, sometimes they're alone and they're just scoffed up. And if they were um, a virgin before, they're not a virgin after they're scoffed up because they're put out on the streets or taken to other countries mm-hmm. or what, whatever they do. And, and organs are taken out. That is terrible. Um, they die that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a, a rough world that we're living in today, a very rough world. And so even the stats have changed on that. So when you think about all of those people, all those kids, and uh, the for, with the trafficking is 12 years old and up that they really want, and um, 82% of, uh, of users like in school with teachers, for God's sake. I saw something online the other day. I've already right. seen it on TV because I'm a news buffer, right? I'm one of those. But, yeah, um, yeah 82%. All right, were were males that uh, you know sexually abused the kids in school. Mm-hmm. Now we're having a problem with that. We've always had a problem with that. All right, we really have Tasha mm-hmm. because this isn't anything mm-hmm. new, but right. it's growing. It's growing. So we have the border issue with the kids out on the streets and they're getting scoffed up. Um, they pay the cartel to send them over to this country and they think they're going to have a better life. And that's mm-hmm. a sad thing. They think they're going to have a better life. Yes. And um, this is only God knows what happens to them, all right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's something that we talk about very little on this show. I talk in other places about this um, because it is, it's making the stats change, too, all right? It's not putting a good dent yeah. in the stats. I'm always hoping that the stats will go down. But now, of course, they've risen, and you know, with all kinds of of, of abuse. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, um, what would you do? I don't know how many people you have coming to you. Mine is usually phone work. Okay, I have I have someone that just contacted me on on the computer that I'll speak to later. And uh, I always mm-hmm. like it when men come forward. Okay, now this is me. I yeah. like it when guys. Yeah. yeah. Because you know what? Yeah, for so too. many years, yeah, yeah, for so many years they weren't allowed to speak, were they? Mm-hmm. No, they weren't. You know? No. Weren't. No. And if they did, they were scoffed at. Or someone would say, get mm-hmm. over it. Get over it, that type of thing. Right. Or mm-hmm. um, whatever. Or they get into, you know, big bad fights over it for sure. Maybe fist fights. <laughs> you know? And, right. You know, and, and, or it's glorified. Or you should be happy. Or, you oh, know, my word. Or has sex with you. And if, like, yeah. 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 Well, these teachers, for God's sake, um, if that's mm. online, too, on, on our Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. We have a lot of different areas on our Facebook. By the way, I'll, I'll give it out because there are people listening that haven't been on before. I know there's a couple tonight. But um, our, our our website is NASCA, that's N-A-A-S-C-A dot org, NASCA dot org. Now, why do I give this out? Because we have a tremendous amount of information on there. And um, we talk a lot about how parents should be speaking to their children, you know, about child abuse, you know, and also about their bodies, mm-hmm. about sexuality and all this other stuff. And it's very, very important that we do that. 
um, so that they can be armed against all the craziness in this world, all right? Because things have gotten worse, mm-hmm. Tasha. Yeah. Yeah. My abuse started when I was six. And, um, mm. God, the last time it ended was when I was 17. I was, um, well, I was sexually abused and I was, uh, I had gotten pregnant, okay? That's just what happened. Mm. I was raped and I got pregnant. And, uh, God took my baby because I, I, um, I just didn't want to. I, I couldn't have an abortion. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't make myself yeah. to do that. That's that's the way. That's me. Okay. So, um, mm-hmm. but anyway, and I certainly wasn't ready to be a mother or anything, you know. And right. we have people. We have people come on the show, and maybe you're going to get people who come in for counseling for you, you know, um, who were terribly abused as children, and they're afraid to have children. Because they're afraid they'll become the yeah. abuser, you know, to their own children. And yeah. I have a funny feeling, yeah, that happens so much, more than you realize. Yeah. And, um, yeah, people are starting to talk more. Mm. And um, even the stats have gone up that on up. that. Yeah. yeah. So it's something that you might have someone sitting, you know, in front of you saying, hey, I'd like to have a family. I- I'm getting married. And, um, you know, I want to have children, and my husband-to-be, or, mm. you know, wants to have children. And um, I, I was so abused when I was a kid, I'm afraid maybe I'll take out anger on them, or, or maybe I'll even touch some funny. They, they go as far as that. They, I'll, maybe I'll even touch some funny. And I want people to know that mm. there are parenting classes out there. There's parenting classes out there. I was looking at them today. And um, if you look, and because of the people listening, just let me get this out, and then we'll get back to what you're doing today. But um, okay. if you have, yeah, it's important, too. You know, if, if you have problems, you know, and you're thinking to yourself, am I ever going to turn on my own child because of what happened to me? All you have to do is type into your browser, okay, parenting classes and then your zip code. I did it, and I found a whole bunch of them. Okay, mm-hmm. and it's as simple as that. And then you know, and if there's not one quite in your town, you can find it very close to your town because there's a lot of classes opening now. Because you see, people are talking, Tasha. Today yes. they're talking. Years ago, even when I first started this show, because I was on a show before this one, but people weren't talking about child abuse, and they weren't writing mm-hmm. books. Today they're writing books mm-hmm. left and right, all right, and they're yeah. talking more. Yeah. So this is a good thing. So anyone out there who fears, you know, well, I was beaten, I was sexually abused, I went through all of this stuff that we speak about here on on NASCA. For God's sake, just type into your browser if you're thinking about getting married. You know, parenting classes. Sometimes some of so you can do it right online. You can do it right online, Tasha. I saw them. So then you don't have to go out, you know what I'm saying? So that's that's good to to get that out. So I've spoken a little bit about NASCA, and we we have programs too. And um, you know, get involved with our NASCA website, and we have the red blocks. And with the red blocks, um, the first one will roll the way over to the left is programs, and then you go right across, and each one has a different subject, different topic. So there's a lot of be, to be learned right from our website. Now, getting back to you, I have your bio in front of me, and it says, uh, 
Tasha's unique perspective on trauma has made her the leading expert on total healing from biological father-daughter sexual abuse. I'll bet, and I'm hoping, that your office is getting, do you have an office? I have a funny feeling you might have an office, too. But, you know, is getting, um, do you have an office? I don't know. Do you? You should. No, I should. But you know what? I, I really like the freedom of, of Zoom. And, mm-hmm. and working virtually because I can reach I can reach a large amount of people that way okay. versus people coming into the office. Yes. Well, you know what? So I'd rather that's not good. In the office. I like freedom. Yes. Okay, that's I do too. By God, yes, I do. <laughs> I like freedom, but and, I don't want anyone telling me what to do, how to do it, and all this other stuff. <laughs> I was, I was, I was married. Let me tell you what. I was married. I was married twice, and I had two husbands that just wanted to tell me what to do and what not to do so much that I always yes, said to myself, "This will never happen again." Yes. So anyway, <laughs> so let's go on with your story here. Um, Tasha knows that father-daughter sexual abuse is the number one form of child abuse. That's number one. I read that today. I saw that today. The number one Mm -hmm. form of child abuse and that uh, transformation is a journey, not simply a destination. It is a journey. Go ahead Mm -hmm. and explain about your journey, you know, the journey that you think people go on who are, um, instead of coming from me, let it come from you. Go ahead. Yes, the journey. I'm glad you mentioned about um, how some people feel in reference to being a parent, right, and being married, because guess Mm -hmm. what? I went through the same thing, too, and I thought about, you know, getting married and what that looked like and what kind of mother am I going to be to my children? You know, will I I hurt my children? Because statistics state that if you were abused, you have a highly chance of abusing your children, right? And so those things, you know, kept me in fear. Until I understood, like, wait a minute, since I know this is the case and I know how I am, I choose not to be that way, right? And, and it's so funny because the way society is set up, it's set up to make you believe that every parent is meant to be a parent. Every parent is a good parent. All children should be with their biological parents. Absolutely not, right? And the truth mm-hmm. is some parents should never have been parents. And then when I came to the realization that the only thing that makes a parent a parent is that a man and a woman decided to have sex unprotected and she became pregnant. That's it. That's it. There's, you know what I mean? There's no such a class you have to go to 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 get pregnant. None of those things. Two horny individuals got together. She was ovulating. She got pregnant. And she became a mother when this child was born, and the guy became a father. That's it, right? And so when I started looking at things differently, like we really have to do as a whole, we really have to do a paradigm shift on what family is and what family isn't. And so, again, when I realized what it was to be a parent and things like that, I decided, you know what, I can be a great mother. I can be a great wife, and I will be a great mother, and I will be a great wife. And that was my focus, not on what I couldn't do or not on what I could possibly do negatively, I focused on what I could do positively. And and I admit, when I, when I first started having children, I felt bad for my kids because other kids have their grandparents in their lives. They get to go over their grandparents' house. And my kids right. obviously cannot have that, right? I can't have them go over grandma and grandpa's house and know they're going to be safe. That's not real for us, right? And so there were times of guilt when I first had my children 
that they were missing out on this. And so, again, I had to find a way to to look at it differently where I could survive day-to-day, right, in a healthy way. And so what I understood is this, right, every kid does not have a grandmother or grandfather because what? Maybe they have died, right? So what's yeah. the difference of a parent, a grandparent that's dead versus a child having a grandparent that they can't see because it's not safe for them to be with? We as humans, we put these these roles on these grandparents in, in this way of, of being that keeps us stuck, that keeps us in the state of not feeling worthy, not feeling valued, not feeling like we're good enough to be a parent. Right, and so when I understood this, I'm like, that's not going to be my story because I don't want that to be my story. Again, I took control of the narrative versus letting the world control the narrative for me. And my kids are 21, 15, 12, and 10. Just a few weeks ago, I told my 12 year old and my 10 year old my story, right? Because they didn't know before what my parents put me through and what I experienced. And my 12-year-old son, he had me nearly in tears, right, because he said to me, he said, Mommy, how could you have gone through what you've gone through and be so bright? Yeah, yeah. My 15-year-old said, Mommy, I would have never guessed that that was your childhood. He said, because you are so happy. You are the greatest mother ever. She said, I thought that you grew up with the greatest parents and had the greatest childhood. And to hear your story, Mommy, she's like, I, I am shocked. Because I I can't believe that you are the woman that you are based on what you went through. Like, how were you able to do this? Uh uh And to hear my children say that, it's like, oh, my goodness, I really did something right, right? You did. You absolutely did. (laughs) Yes, you did. You see, a lot of people, look, you, and it's okay to be proud, all right? I want you to know that. Because um, I don't mean proud in a hoity-toity way, like putting your nose up in the air and all sorts of stuff. There's all different kinds of ways to be proud. You should be proud. Mm-hmm. Because you came through horror and, and a, a group home or foster care, whatever, and you had to go through that mm-hmm. other experience, okay, with the fellatio and all that stuff. That That's just trauma on top mm-hmm. of trauma, okay? You, had, you were yeah. traumatized for a long time, you know, because of your father. And, and, and then because of what your mother did, all right, not, not caring, because mm-hmm. that's the way you feel. I felt that way, too. You don't say to your daughter, yeah. oh, this happens in families. Well, yeah, but it's not right. supposed to, right? And uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had to be real careful how I spoke to her because she'd beat the hell out of me if I didn't, okay, if I said something she didn't like. Right. Her just the way it was with her. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever got hit or not. Were mm-hmm. you ever slapped around? Oh, yeah. oh. oh, poor Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Well, see oh, that yeah. that Works hurts children that. too. That hurts children too. Oh yeah. And and it affects certain parts of the brain, and uh, which you know about. And and you see, you have to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading about that today. How it affects certain parts of the brain, and and it just changes the brain. And you know, when you're slapped around, when your parents beat you. Um, oh, I was speaking. Mm-hmm. I was looking at corporal punishment. Do you realize, I don't know if other people realize, but do you know a corporal punishment is slapping, hitting, um, kicking? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's considered corporal punishment. Well, heck, I had all that. Mm-hmm. And maybe you did oh, too. Yeah. All Absolutely, right? sure did. 
So, I mean, so many of us in NASCAR, you know, were, were slapped around and kicked and hit and, uh, you know, um, maybe meant, and here's one for you, being put in a closed area. Where do you think claustrophobia comes from? Hmm? If you're locked yeah. in a claustrophobic area, okay, in a little tiny area mm-hmm. as a, a form of, uh, you know, I'll fix you, you get yeah. in there form of punishment, that can cause claustrophobia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it gave a list, yeah. a list of things. And um, you'd be surprised how many states um, are, are fighting to get, you know, corporal, and they consider that corporal punishment. Spanking is considered mm-hmm. corporal punishment. Well, I was spanked a lot. And I'm sure, you know, maybe you were too. Yeah. So you, oh, you yeah. can add that to your list. You can add that to your list. Oh. Because, and I know Lori is heck. I know, I know her story. Wow, she was, but believe me, she, she went through corporal punishment, okay? And um, mm-hmm. it can actually change. So when she said, when Lori said that you're very bright and, and all these other things, and which is quite right, um, and so forth, it is amazing. You can be proud of yourself because you can add one more. You can add corporal punishment to what you went through because you were yeah. hit. You were slapped. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what else. I don't know if you're kicked or thrown out the window or whatever. I mean, I think Lori was. And, and you know, there's all kinds of stuff that we had to endure and then to overcome. Mm-hmm. And it's not an easy thing. To endure and then Mm-mm. overcome, okay? So, yeah, you can pat right. yourself on the back, and it's okay to do that because some people just don't make it. They don't make it. That is so true. That is so true. You know what's interesting? Um, my my husband and even my um, my kids, they <laughs> y'all may be surprised by this too, but they were so surprised when I told them, that recently I called my mother and father on the phone. Mind you, we don't, have, we don't have a relationship at all, my mother and father. We don't, right? But mm-hmm. I still respect them as my parents, right? And so I called them recently to inform them that I was taking this on as a career. And I wanted to give them the heads up in case they wanted to, you know, get their numbers unlisted, in case, you know, some reporters come knocking at their door or people want to have questions about why they did what they did to me, et cetera. And I also told my father, I said, listen, I said, I want you to know that I have no hate in my heart towards you. I have no ill feelings towards you. And as a matter of fact, I'm calling to tell you that I'm grateful for the experience because had I not gone through that experience, I would not be able to be here to help these women to overcome this if I didn't go through it myself. Mm-hmm. So because of what you did to me, I'm able to help these women that are still struggling, that are still hurting. Mm-hmm. And my husband well, you... and my and my daughter was like, Mommy, I can't imagine you even calling them to even give them a heads up. Like I wouldn't call them and tell them anything. But the thing is, I don't have my I don't have any hate in my heart towards them at all. I, I don't have hate in my heart towards anybody. Because for so many years, I saw what consuming hate did to me. And I didn't right. want to feel those feelings anymore. Mm-hmm. And that well, see, empowered that's me healing. to be the person yeah. that I am. Yes. That's right. 100%. 100%. Well, that's it. That, that is, that's, that's amazing. I mean, I, I can remember that I hated my mother so. 
okay, because there was just so many yeah. things she did to me, which I'm not going to go into on air. Nothing sexual. It was all neglect and, and nasty things, mm-hmm. just nasty things. And um, mm-hmm. but I I what I I don't hate my mother anymore. And uh, I, when she was dying, um, she never told me she loved me. Did your mother ever tell you that she loved you? Oh yeah, she said it with words, but not with action. So I didn't believe right. it for a second. <laughs> That's there right. you go. Now my mother never yep. did that. No. And so then right before she was dying on a gurney in the hospital there, she mouthed because she wasn't able to, to speak, really. But she said, Karen, I love you. I just stood mm. there and looked at it like she was from Mars, right? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I blocked out. I don't know if I said it, it back or not. But my mother yeah. had a look that was as sharp as a knife. And if she had that knife by my throat, she'd slit it. You know what I'm saying? She knew how to give that type Mm -hmm. of look to someone. And so did Mm -hmm. her mother, so did my brother, and so did my so-called bio father. It was like I was born Mm -hmm. into it. Uh, With Mm -hmm. my brother, I used to just laugh at him when he looked at me like that. But with my mother and and my grandmother, Mm -hmm. I feared them horribly. I feared them. So let me ask you something. You didn't fear your mother, and you didn't end up hating her, even though you should have maybe. I mean, I don't know. That's not nice. I shouldn't say that. I mean, I went through that too. <laughs> All right. Or, no, I you know, did. I did at one point. I really did. I hated them both for a long time. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, we go through that. We go through that hate yeah. stage. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you just I collapsed to the ground one day. I was walking around. I made sure I was alone in the house. I know I think I was talking to myself and all this other stuff, <laughs> whatever. So I, I was walking around in circles, and I say, I hate this one. I want to kill that one. I want that one's head to fall off like the exorcist. And, and all around, there, you know, all this stuff, you know. And finally, mm-hmm. I just fell to the ground, I, I, to the floor in the house. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. hate anymore because it wore me out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that all of us, you know, when we hate, 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 you can hate the mm-hmm. action, absolutely, all right? And I'm not forgiving. I'm, like, I'm not I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not forgiving the people that injured me because they knew what they were doing. See, I have a problem with that. Mm. But if a person knows what the heck they're doing, and they know that it's wrong, they know that it's wrong, mm-hmm. and they don't care. So I'm not going to um, uh, say I forgive you and, and all this other stuff. I will hate the actions and the person. I just figure they belong in some of the places that I worked at, okay? <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just put it that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, because that's that's not normal. It's just not normal. It just simply isn't. And, you know, what happened to us was not normal. Mm-hmm. And shame on them. The, the shame is on them, not on us. So, you know, I get it. So tell us exactly. Now, you mentioned before um, you you have Zoom. How can someone get a hold of you? Say they want to have a conference with you, okay, um, okay or a meeting can, with you. Go ahead. So they can, um, they can join my private free Facebook group. And my private free Facebook group, I the, I'm the one that checks to make sure that people are real people and they have good intentions before they can even join my group. And that's the Purple Key Club. 
And also my cell phone number, they can reach me personally at 443-895-9232. That's 443-895-9232. Okay, that's good. That's good. Now, you see people, a lot of people You know are, what, um, Carol, I do, want, I do want to say this because I don't want to forget to say this, right? So yeah. when it comes to forgiveness, right, um, mm-hmm. so, because, like, like I said, I hated my parents for a very long time, you know, for what they did. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I hated them. I hated the accent. I hated all of it. And mm-hmm. what I found that really also helped me through my healing process is um, the forgiveness was not for them. The forgiveness was for me. The forgiveness was for me to move on because when I started realizing that, here they are living their best life, not worrying about me at all, not worrying about how sad I am, not worrying about, you know, how my life is. Like, they were really living their lives, and here I am stuck <laughs> on victimhood, and they're living their best life. And I'm like, the hell with that. No, I refuse to go any further in this state of mind of being, you know, being filled with shame, being filled with hate. Like, they don't deserve me, they don't deserve for me to be that way, right? So I'm like, I'm going to be better than that. I'm not going to hold on to any of that. And guess what? When I called my father the other day and I said to him, I said, I'm calling you because I want your blessing for this career that I'm about to do. I said, but I do want you to know I'm going to do it with or without your blessing, but I'd rather have your blessing to do it. And you know, he gave me his blessing. My father also told me that he was proud of me he told me he was proud of me for doing what I'm doing. He said he don't understand how I could go through what I went through and want to turn around and help so many women that still need healing. And he was like, he still feels shame because of what he did to me. And he's like, mm-hmm. he don't understand, you know, why he did it. And this is what I said to him. I said, Daddy, I said, you know what? I said, just like in the Bible, what happened with Jesus. I said, whether you believe the Jesus story or not, but when you look at what Judas did, I said, God knew what was going to happen. Jesus knew what was going to happen. Judas had to betray him in order for us and our sins to be forgiven, right? Jesus had to die on the cross for our sins to be forgiven. We don't always understand why things happen, right? Things happen. It's not our business to understand why these things happen. What is our business is how we choose to act going forward. And I said, (laughs) So just like I said, I'm not saying that I'm Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that you are Jesus or whatever. And my father's like, well, Judas hung himself. I said, again, that's not for me to understand that Judas hung himself, right? That's something that happened, right? And I said, and that, like what you did to me, Daddy, had to happen in order for me to go and help these women that need help. God knew that I had to be in a situation where I had to heal myself so I can go and turn and help these women that did not have anybody there to help them because I'd been through it and I had to help myself. And because I was able to help myself, I have to help them. It's like, I don't have a choice in this. I have to do this. And so he's like, well, I still have this shame about, you know, what I did. And I said, daddy, I'm sorry you have that shame, but I'm not here to help you. <laughs> I'm here to help these women. I said, daddy, I said, let me tell you something. I said, you don't even have to tell me yes, because I already know the answer. I said, but right now in your life, you have tried so many things in life to, to accomplish, and you have not been successful at any of them. I said, am I right or am I wrong? He said, you're right. I said, the reason that you have not been successful in every single thing that you have tried to do is because you are not doing what you were meant to do. 
I said, Daddy, can you imagine how powerful and how life-changing it would be if on my platform I'm helping these daughters that are now mothers to heal from the sexual trauma, my husband is helping these husbands that are married to these women, my mother is helping these mothers that were not there for their daughters, and you, Daddy, are talking to these men that abuse their daughters. Do you know how much healing would go on in this world if we all came together and did this? That's right. That's right. And that's what we need. He said he's not ready to do that. That's what we need. We need that. And he said he's not ready to do that. And I said, Daddy, it's okay that you're not ready to do that. But I want you to know that whenever you are ready, platform Mm -hmm. is open for you to come on this journey with me. I just want you to know that you have first right to to do this if you're ready to do that. But, Daddy, you have to do the work. You have to go and get healed from whatever caused you to do what you did. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and what? I said, and then you will see your life change. That that's so true, and it's very healthy. It's very healthy. Um, I just think that I'm I'm maybe a little stuck there because it went on for all of my life with her. Okay, I never got away from mm-hmm. um, the um, hatred that she had towards me. To be honest with you. Um, she was uh, mm-hmm. she got raped one time. My stepfather waited until she passed away to tell me this, and um, she mm-hmm. got pregnant with me. Out I popped, <laughs> okay. And mm-hmm. she always hated mm-hmm. me. Yeah, so she always hated me all yeah. throughout life, okay. So then, therefore, mm-hmm. all the things that mother and daughter to do, you didn't have it either, though. You don't have to have, go through that nope. to not have the relationship with your mother that you should have. But it made things worse. It compounded because I was always confused. I didn't know why she hated me so and uh, wouldn't care yeah. for me. Even my, my needs, I had to steal my clothing, and they were wealthy people, okay? And uh, yeah. <laughs> So to me it made no sense and mm-hmm. I but I made sure though, one thing I will say that I'm proud of with me, okay? Um mm-hmm. when she got old, all right, when she got old, I would cook for her and my husband and I would take mm-hmm. down food to my mother and stepfather. Um, every September I made sure she had a new electric blanket because she liked that. Yeah. I remember how many cold nights I had. But I did that. You see, I did the things. I treated her the way that she should have treated a child or treated me. Maybe my inner child, okay, mm-hmm. still saying, hey, you know. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, on Christmas, I didn't spend Christmas for seven years with my own children. Instead, I didn't spend, I, I went down there with food that I had made. I say down there because of where they lived and where I live. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, and had food for them and pumpkin pie, homemade with cream, the whole nine yards, everything, <laughs> and for my yeah. mother and my stepfather. And I blame my stepfather, too, because he knew what was going on and did nothing. You see, when you have a parent that's mm-hmm. standing by who knows mm-hmm. what's going on and does nothing, then they're equally as guilty. All right. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And you see, that's an abomination of God, okay, because children are a gift from God. That's what we are. Mm -hmm. And anyone who who slays us or who hurts us in all different kinds of ways, that's an abomination of God. See, I believe in heaven and hell, and so it gives me comfort Mm -hmm. 
that all those people, because there's far too many, I'm not going to say it online, it's disgusting, that did things to me, all right, I believe mm-hmm. that they're in hell. I think they're down there with the... Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and uh, Hitler. I'm trying to think of all the big ones, all right? <laughs> you know, the big bads. You know, they, they're, they're down there with them, and you know what? They're, they're too hot, man. And you know what? That's just the way it is, okay? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you cannot go around doing that stuff to, to people and just get away with it. I yeah. don't believe it. I don't believe it. So, you know, so Ooh. we had a little, you know what? little bit of everything. Yeah, go ahead. Um, on that note, that's that's very interesting because when I say I have a unique perspective on um, mm-hmm. on how I look at trauma, like I really do find the treasure in the trauma, right? I really mm-hmm. see us um, that survive sexual trauma, like we are some bad asses, okay? Because yeah, first are. of all, out of all the millions of sperm out there, we we made it, right? And not only that, we went through the horror of the horror, right? And we are still here alive today. We may not be 100% whole, but guess what? We are still here. We are still thriving. And so I really, really, like, want to um, end this call so people can know that you are a badass. I don't care if you're male, female, trans, wherever you're at in life. If you've been through anything dealing with sexual abuse, sexual trauma, childhood trauma, childhood abuse, you are a badass. In a good way. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean in a good way. And I find that when I focus on the beauty of the world and the beauty of who I am and what I have to offer and recognize that, guess what, my mother and father, they're not doing well right now. Like, my father is still beating himself up, up about what he did to me. My mother is still in this confused state of mind about how she treated me. But guess what? I'm not in that space. I am good over here, right? I am happy. I'm thriving. I'm living my best life. And when you mess with somebody that has never done anything wrong to you, you have to pay for those sins, right? That's right. And that's, that's right. how I see it. That's how I say, like, like it's not for me to make him pay. It's not. It's not on me. Like, okay, he should have went to jail for a longer period of time. I'm gonna make sure that he pay. That's not my job. That's it. Look, they are going to go through whatever they need to go through. And that's on them, right? That's not for me to worry about. It's not for me to make sure they get, they get punished. And, like, as far as the hell thing, we can agree to disagree, but I don't even really believe in hell. I believe that everything happens for a reason, and even the most heinous thing that happens in the world, I believe there's a silver lining in it. I believe there's a reason that it happened, and it's for the greater good of not maybe for ourselves but for somebody else. Right. right. And that anything that we've gone through in our life, we went through it because God knows that we were strong enough to handle it, even if we don't believe that we were, that we are strong enough to handle it, not for us, but for the next person that's not strong enough to help them that's get right. to the other side. That's right. And that's how I'm able to do this and have a smile on my face and be so happy and so encouraging and to know that where people are at today and they're stuck, they don't have to be there tomorrow. They don't have to be there next week. As a matter of fact, they don't have to be there this evening. Like, I have methods that I've used over the years that carry me on day after day after day, and people hear my story or completely shocked that that is my story because I don't wear that story on my face and on my life. You don't let it define you. That's what we say on NASCAR. And that's that's exactly what yeah. we're trying to bring, you know, people to, you know, who who are still stuck, 
um, I'm a night owl. I get all these calls in the middle of the night. And, um, who, and, you know, I don't mind doing it because I was where they were at at one time, you know, and stuck in some mm-hmm. areas. And, you know, as far as what I say, you know, with my feelings of forgiveness, everybody has their own way of handling things. And I, I feel I'm comfortable right. with that. And you're comfortable with that, with yeah. how you feel, okay? Yeah. And that's good yeah. because we have to be comfortable. Yeah. That's Like Bill says, and this is a part of AA, um, comfortable in your own skin. There you go. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. one of the things they say. Amen. And, that's right. Mm-hmm. And I'm comfortable in my skin. I feel you're comfortable in your skin. I think I think we're oh, all yeah. comfortable in our skin. We know who we are, okay? And um, mm-hmm. we, many of us still have, you know, there's, there's a lot of NASCA people who still have struggles. And um, we don't just take care of NASCA. We take care of anybody who calls us, anyone who calls us, all right, anyone who wants help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they, I've gotten kids. I've gotten uh, teenage kids. And... Uh, you know, and and uh, much older, but you know what? You were a wonderful guest. I hope you will come back. I think you're you're great. You're doing fine work, and um, I'm I'm so glad that you came. You know, and welcome to the family. Okay, oh, welcome to the family. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And well, you can listen Monday through Friday, and anytime you want to be on the panel, um, and then you get to ask the questions and so forth. Um, you know. You're, you're certainly welcome, okay? I just would call love the to. same Thank number. You. you just call the same number. Absolutely. And, uh, and then in time, we'll have you back on again, you know, if you want to be a guest again, and to see how, how you're Absolutely. doing. You know? So, yes. um I gave them you know. my um, information, so I'm available. Whenever you guys, you know, want me there, I'm there as a panelist or as a call-in guest. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's good to know, okay, because at times we do need people. And, uh, like, we fill in for each other. We try to, you know, those of us who are hosts and so Mm -hmm. forth. But anyway, thank you so much because I got the signal that the show is over. (laughs) So I guess I better (laughs) hang up. So um, come on again, and thank you so much, Tasha, okay? Yeah, I have ten sentences. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye now. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Radio.